0: Welcome everybody, great to have each of you here, great to look out on, on uh, the audience and see so many friends and some, some people we're welcoming to, uh, we're a place where strangers become friends, and friends become family, family become sent ones and the kids are right now being sent to elementary school, big kids back there, preschoolers back here, nursery back there. And uh, welcome to each you, welcome to those of you who are here online. Thanks for joining us, um, whether it's live or Memorex later on. Memorex is gone, I guess, but uh, those of you who are old enough to remember, the tapes. Um, yeah, so uh, great to have each of you here. <clears throat> Just uh, wanted to let you know that our our... Love offering right now is a Christmas offering for our intercultural workers laboring here and around the world. So missions we talk about here is really something intercultural. So for example, SALT reaching out to Somalis here is part of our missions, part of our intercultural workers. I hope you got this in the uh, back. Um, That's not just to see who you're giving to, um, but also who you can give greetings to. So the contacts are on the back to connect with them and relate with them. Now, we put email addresses on there. There's other ways you can talk to them. You can call um, uh, the clerks on WhatsApp. I do that. Um, And uh, then there are some who aren't pictured here, who we have given to in this past year, like the Holmgrens aren't on this picture because uh, they're here. So you don't have to know who to contact. They're right there. Stand up, Josie. Um, so, yeah, you can just greet her directly. Um, but they just came back from the Philippines and, and 13 years in Asia, and we're going to have a time of celebrating their 13. Is that right for Sam? Yeah. We're going to have a time of celebrating um, with them in two weeks, three weeks in December. Um, just that that and welcoming them home officially. But this is for you to contact those people, and you can um, give your regular offerings to the and give to the overflow, and then you can also... Uh, designate for missions. And it'll go to this offering for a little Thanksgiving gift. Hopefully not a little Thanksgiving gift. Hopefully a good, big Thanksgiving gift to those who are um, serving. And then also pick up this, which has a few greetings from our missionaries. Um, So yeah, some of them serve here. Some of them serve elsewhere. But we are grateful to be connected to each of them. And I, I just want you to know, um, so sometimes it's hard to figure out. I didn't even have it figured out. I said, Cherry, you got to help me out here. Because we have a budget where we give a percentage to things. And then we have special offerings, which aren't part of the budget. So what percentage of what you give goes to other people? Anybody know? I didn't even know. So 14% of our budget goes to missions, goes to these missionaries and other missions. And then we have special offerings. So actually over 16% goes to intercultural ministries. Then there's some more that goes to some ministries around here, like we've given a New Life Family Services and and Teen Challenge was here the other day. Then there's also benevolence. Benevolence is over 4%. So that's special benevolence offering. So it's not in our budget because it comes in and it goes out as people have needs. And if you have a need, let us know. So we can uh, meet your need. Now, now benevolence has been used for medical needs, rent, phone, emergency, plumbing, funeral expenses, lots of things this year. So I'm just giving you January to now. What have we spent on? So we've spent over 20% of everything that comes in. So 20 cents on every dollar that you give goes out to some needs. Um, Mostly intercultural, out. And then 4% among us and sometimes other people who come in. Who have needs so personally I think that's great I think it's great that when I'm giving it's not just giving to our own needs but it's actually giving to our needs okay so the facilities cost 27% because we've been given also to the roofs and everything else right so there's uh, and personnel you know some of those staff are kind of expensive so 55% goes to staff but hopefully we get blessed by the staff as well and um, so we are grateful to be able to give to God's work here and there and everywhere, right? So um, anyways, just so you know, the, uh, your special offering today is going to be for a Christmas gift to our missions and missionaries, and also be sure to connect with them, if you would. Um, all right. So today's message is about the cycle of grace. And I'm still stuck in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And I want you to do something that you haven't done for a while. Take the Bible out of the pew in front of you. It's still there, next to the hymnal, which also happens to still be there. Um, But I want to look through this whole two chapters, and I didn't think it was worth putting it all up on the slides. And I'll go with NIV, because that's what we have, so we can uh, read together. But... um, Back to our, uh, so this is our, our journey to generosity. We're talking about overflow. And we're talking about the overflow. We're going to watch this overflow. We've seen the overflow from God to us, through us, to others. And we're going to see that it goes back to God. Um, and talked about that scripture in Ezekiel, which is part of our theme, where it comes from the throne of God and it flows out. And like this, God's giving of himself that makes life everywhere. Um, so, a little overflow picture, we talked about Thompson Dam, we get the rain that comes through and then there's this dam that helps it to overflow through some uh, generators that generate lots of light, and uh, we'll talk some more about how that works, but you know, this is, this is kind of the big picture, right, with a simple diagram. Those of you who, do you guys remember this from school, the water cycle? All right, some of you do, Good. So um, it rains, and then when it rains, it comes and it goes into the soil, and some of it flows into the river, like in St. Louis River up here, Um, and then some of it flows down. I, I mentioned in the St. Louis River, they have about five reservoirs where they have dams to control the flow so that they can keep water releasing all through the winter and keep the hydroelectric running all winter, all right? So they control the flow a little bit, but it it flows into that reservoir like you see there, um, the lake, and then it flows out and it flows into the ocean or a big, you know, Lake Superior or something. Some of it goes back up through trees in transpiration. That, so the roots take it out of what's soaked in and they, they release it. the This is what happens when you have desertification. What happens is that you run out of trees, so then it stops raining. So one of my friends was planting all kinds of trees across Tanzania because that helped it to rain because the, the water got released back into the air and then it came back down on the crops as well. Um, and then also evaporation from these places where it collects. So um, there's this water. And then when it evaporates, it goes back up and it condenses back up here in the sky and then it rains or snows. And then some of it goes underground, some of it goes on top of the ground, and it comes back to us. So I want to talk about overflowing grace today. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 8 9. We're going to look at this uh, text. So let's begin reading in 2 Corinthians 8 9. Um, And this is the theme verse, that we excel also in this grace of giving. But I want you to, here's what I want you to look for. Remember we talked about Some related Greek words. Now, obviously, your text isn't in Greek, fortunately. Um, But charis, which means grace. Kara, joy. Charisma, gift. And eucharisteo, which is another form of charis. So grace, gladness, gift, and gratitude are all there. And they're all part of this cycle, the gratitude that goes back to God. And we also mentioned koinonia, the sharing, and then... The word we get deacon from, dikayasune, which is service, is also a frequent word in this. But this word charis is used ten times in just these two chapters. Ten times. Now, we translate it different ways because our word doesn't mean exactly. Mostly we mean grace. But really, gift is probably the better word for charis. Because it means all of these things, okay? Grace, kindness, mercy, goodwill. It means a favor We sometimes talk about grace as God's unmerited favor, expression of kindness, a gift, a blessing, a special manifestation of God's presence, activity, power, or glory. Thanks, gratitude, graciousness. So even the word charis itself, even in this text, is translated as thanksgiving or or gratitude to God. All of that is there. So 10 times Paul is clearly using this word charis because he wants to make a point about grace and i think i want to make a point about why we give our time or our effort our our gifts our talents our treasures our 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 money why do you give do you give out of guilt or out of grace out of obedience some of these are fine do you give because all those poor people need need my help or do you, do you give out of gratitude for all that you've received? And I'm going to show you a secret that you can actually thank God. As we're coming up to Thanksgiving, one of the best ways to thank God is to give to somebody who then thanks God. Paul's going to talk about that here. So let's look at, the, um, at this chorus cycle. So here's, the, here's how the chorus cycle works in this text. God gives to givers who give to the given ones who give back to God. So God gives to us, and then, or maybe He gives to somebody else who gives to us, gives to us, and then we send it on to somebody else, and that goes back in prayer and thanksgiving, back to glorify God. So I want you to look for this as we read this text. All right? Not so different from the... This cycle, we were just talking about the water cycle, all right? The, the grace cycle, the chorus cycle. So, and I'll highlight for you when the word chorus is used, even though it's not there in your text necessarily as that. All right, here we go. Chapter 8, verse 1. You got your Bibles out? All right. Um, and at home, you can use whatever version you want. You could, probably you can look on your U version and get to NIV. And now brothers. He calls them brothers. Isn't that interesting? He's not from there, but he calls them brothers. We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. There it is, grace, charis, that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, chara, and their extreme poverty welled up. Here's that overflow vision. It's, it's, it's a, a, a spring welling up in rich generosity, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the chorus of sharing, koinonia, in this service. That's the word deacon there. So the privilege, is, it's translated, the chorus is translated there, of sharing in this service. They want to share in this service to the saints. They see it as a privilege, a grace that they could give. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So let's let's back up just a minute. 1 Corinthians 16 is going to tell us when this started. Because Paul wrote a letter a year or more earlier and said this. Let me start in 15. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. I let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Then verse chapter 16. Now about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of every week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so when it come, no collections will have to be made. So apparently, they were meeting now on Sundays, not on the Sabbath, and they were bringing money as part of a collection. So no collections had to be made when he got there, because every week they were setting aside a portion. He doesn't say how much, if it was 10%, if it was more. Um, and then it will already be made, so no collections have to be made. So every Sunday they were bringing an amount that they had decided So this tradition goes way back, folks. It's new here. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So in the end, he does that. He goes with them, and they have a whole group of people um, who carefully do that. You see how already this, I mean, it, it started in the synagogue, right? But... Now on Sundays, they're coming together, giving a portion of their income to be taken for the sake of brothers and sisters far away who don't speak their language, who, don't, um, who aren't their tribe. This is Jews and Gentiles who really hate each other, actually. Um, people who are way off in Jerusalem, much farther away. It would take longer to get there than it takes to get anywhere on earth now because we have airplanes. Um, so let's go on here. Back to verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 8. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of charis, of grace on your part. The giving, right? But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us. Remember the 1 Corinthians talks about all the gifts of the Spirit that they had. It says you got all these gifts of the Spirit, all this other stuff. It's great also excel in this grace Of giving. The chorus of giving. So all those charismata that he talks about in 1 Corinthians, all those charismatic gifts, he says, also this gift, make sure that you all excel in this. And notice he doesn't say a few of you are especially appointed to be givers. He said, I want you all to excel in this. I'm not commanding you. Okay, so here here is a motivation we could have. Paul told us we have to give. He says, no, I'm not commanding you. But I want to test the sincerity of your love. How how loving are you? By comparing it with the earnestness of others. Now He's setting up a little comparison. He's a little honor-shame going on here. But um, then he compares it to, to somebody else. For you know the grace, the chorus of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. So here is God sent Jesus so that we could receive and we could become rich. This is what we have on the banner. Jesus gave himself incarnated to us, even poured out his blood so that we could become rich and flourishing. It's amazing to me that God who has everything could be a sacrificial giver? It just blows my mind. How can somebody who has everything give sacrificially? He did. He gave his son. He gave himself to death on a cross. What more sacrificial could you get? So when we give, whatever we're giving, we are being godly. We're doing like God. And the more sacrificial it is, the more... It's like God. But here's the thing. When we say sacrificial giving, it starts to sound like, oh, I'm being sacrificial. It's so hard. I'm giving so much. But that's not what Paul's talking about, is it? He's talking about joyous, gracious, happy giving. Even Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him even though it was a cross. So, let's keep going. So Jesus is really who we're imitating. For here, And here's my advice to you about what it is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first. Remember we are talking about, we showed that earlier. Not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness, notice they have eager willingness to do it, may be matched by your completion of it. So eager willingness is good. Of course, doing it is also better, right? Right. Being willing is good. So sometimes we have, you know, the rich young ruler came and Jesus said, give everything you have to the poor. And, uh, you know, and, and we always, but you don't really have to do that. You just have to be willing to give. Paul's saying, no, no, no. We want you to give to the poor, not just be willing to give, but actually give to the poor so the poor can actually eat. They can't eat your willingness but they could eat if you gave to them. So that it may be matched by your completion according to your means. So, you know, if you don't have a lot, you don't have to give a lot. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So don't worry about how much you have. Young people, you don't have as much as your parents do. That doesn't mean you shouldn't give. Give. And enjoy it and learn the joy of it. Now, my dad started giving when he raised potatoes and walked seven miles to sell his potatoes and it was 35 cents. And he had to decide if he was going to give 3 cents or 4 cents as a tithe. He decided to give 4 cents. That's how he got started. Any of you be able to give 4 cents, maybe? Okay, I've got volunteers here. Willing, eager volunteers. Um... Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it's written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. That's talking about when they had the manna. And everybody got to eat. Some people gathered more, some people gathered less, but they all had plenty to eat. Do you believe that? That if you give, your plenty will supply someone else's need? And that then when you have a need, their plenty can supply your need? I think we do But I think sometimes we don't. Here's why. We sometimes think of certain people as those poor Christians. And when we do that labeling, we assume that, you know, there are always going to be those poor Christians. Pity those poor Christians. And sometimes it's about countries. Sometimes it's about race. Pity poor Africa. Haiti is so poor. Haiti is rich. Africa is rich with young Christians who are dynamic. And you know why? Because people gave to have missions happen there. And some of you came here when you were needy. From Africa someplace, from Haiti someplace, from someplace else, from northern Minnesota like I did. I was a college student. We became needy. And then the church... Blessed us, right? And now we're blessed, right? This worship team was from our all-nations family of churches, from Haiti, from Africa. We were blessed by them, right? And James loves playing with them. He's super blessed with that. And by the way, you can go hear their service on Sunday nights. They have fantastic music. Of course, they have a great online presence, too. If you just want to happy and online, you could do that. Um, they are gifted, and we've been blessed by them. You know, when you sent me to Africa, you thought you were probably just pitying poor Africa, but yeah, we've been blessed Africa, but all of the thanksgiving that's come to them, and you know, I didn't know I was going to get a son-in-law from Africa, which is coming up in a month. Um, my daughter's marrying a Nigerian-American. I've got all kinds of blessings. And that didn't she know. She was going to get a son-in-law either. But we've gotten all kinds of blessings by sharing. But sometimes... We have certain things, so let's be honest, sometimes we think darker people have less. And we should pity them and help them. That's not right. Because they are, this, I love when Pastor Ludwig was talking, we were, this was after I think the George Floyd stuff or something, we were talking about allies. He said, I don't need allies, you're my brother. That is totally different than what the world is talking about. Okay, the world, being allies, that's not a bad thing, okay? but I love having brothers and sisters. And I'm going to help them sometimes and they're going to help me sometimes, but I got out of get out of the mindset that I have no needs. And I'll never have any needs because I'm a rich American white Christian. Baloney, rich American white Christians have all kinds of needs and increasing needs. One thing we need is young people who are all over Africa and Haiti following Jesus with fervor. If the church is going to survive, we need them. So anyway, um, and let's just be honest. It can be the other way around too, right? Race and and country and whatever kinds of dynamics, you can say, well, we're not really going to need those people. Or we can't really bless those people. That's the other thing is we feel like we're poor. So I can't really bless them because they have so much. Baloney. And you might have just the thing they need. Maybe it's not even money. Maybe it's something else. Right? Can we be honest that sometimes we think we won't be in need? You know, we had to fix our health insurance to make sure that people stayed on health insurance to they 26 because we knew that people who were younger than that thought they were invincible. They'd never need to pay into health insurance because they'd never need any health insurance. But we need them to pay because some of us get old and realize, oh, actually, health gets to be a challenge as we get older. You know what I'm saying? We have to. This, this is how insurance works. This is how Social Security works. There's a bunch of things that work this way where we pay in because someday we might need something. But it really works great in the church when you have relationships. And it's not just paying taxes. Okay, let's go on. Sorry, I'm getting. To, so, verse 16. I thank God who put into the heart of Titus for the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we're sending along with him the brothers who is, who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. So they're also anxious to be part of this. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. We are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. I want you to pay attention to this. It's okay, in fact, it's important to be accountable with how money is spent. We make sure that one person puts the money in. These days, Jim Nash does most of the entering, and Cherry does most of the bill paying. And Craig is looking over the. Oh, there's Craig. Uh, Craig is our treasurer. We have a lot of eyes. I'm not one of them. I accept, I say, can you tell me what's going on? <laughs> but we have a lot of people who make sure that things are done accountably. And it's not just one person, it doesn't just go in one pocket and then it gets paid for personal expenses and also ministry expenses. It's, it's assigned. We have a budget. We're careful about how we do this because. We want to not only be honorable to God, we want to be honorable in the eyes of men. We want the IRS to be okay with us. And when we send you a giving statement, and it it's to be exactly what you gave. And it has to have been given for charitable purposes, not for something you got back. All that stuff, right? A bunch of paperwork, but it's important. In addition, we're sending them with our brother who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is among... He is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for, their, for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. So a little pressure here. We want to make sure that the other churches get to see how much you're giving. That you're doing well with this, right? Paul's putting on a little pressure. Let's be honored. There's no need for me to write to you about the service to the saints, for I know your eagerness to help. And I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give. And your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but you you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So he's putting a little pressure on. You know the Macedonians are going to show up. They're going to see how much you gave, how much you collected. That would be really embarrassing if you hadn't collected anything, right? Is it okay for Paul to uh, compare a little competition, a little honor-shame going on? So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangement for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So a a chorus that's a, a blessed eulogy gift not in that grudging word is actually greediness not not one grudgingly given he doesn't want things given grudgingly no command no grudging giving he wants this to be a free will offering right then he goes on he says this so are you are you are you, are you tracking here what what is god giving what's the giver giving what's the receiver giving so one of the things the giver is giving is some honor From having given. Um, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Does that make sense to you? Most of us aren't farmers, right? But if you put less in your checking account or whatever, your your 401k, it's not going to get as much increase and it's not going to, you're not going to have as much back, right? And when it comes to farming, it's really the case. Now, most of us don't have the issue that my friends in Africa do. Like, they have to decide, am I going to eat this because I'm hungry? Or do I save it and put it in the ground and hope it rains? It really is a question of, am I going to eat or sow and trust God for a future? So, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. So Paul says, don't give grudgingly, reluctantly, or under compulsion. There's no need for that. But let me encourage you to do that. Don't give because we're having a generosity series and you felt your arm twisted and you really should do this because it's the thing to do. Okay? Rather, God loves a cheerful giver. He's into the joy. And God is able to make all All grace, Uh, there it is, Chorus, all grace abound to you. All grace, all kinds of gifts. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Anybody want to do that? God is able to make all of his grace abound to you. And and here's the problem with grace, is that spiritual word. We're not talking just spiritual things yeah spiritual things but God, he'll make all of his gifts abound to you so in every situation all the time you can be generous in every way with your time your talents your your love your money in every way every good work as it's written he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor his righteousness endures forever And that's from Psalm 112. Psalm 111 is about the God, how how God is so generous. 112 is about the godly person who's just like God and they're, they're paired psalms, they're mirror psalms. Go back and read that. It talks about being godly. His righteousness endures forever. Anybody have a heart for justice? For righteousness? Here's a way you can get your righteousness and your justice to abound. Not by feeling guilty not by, not by well, I'm being pressured into reparations and whatever. No, this is, I get to give so that sometime there plenty will supply mine. And I can, I can be generous and my justice can endure forever. For he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply an increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your justice, of your righteousness. Do you believe that, that he's going to keep giving you so that you can keep planting, so that you can keep harvesting, so you can keep eating and giving more? Or do you have a limited sum game? Like, there's this much. If I give this much, then I only have this much. That's not a good farmer. Good farmers waste lots of seed. And they might go hungry to do it because they know they're going to eat later. And they're going to have more seed. Right? And stingy farmers or greedy farmers who eat all their seed end up in a spiral of less and less to plant and less and less to eat. The world of the stingy grows narrower and narrower. The word of the gener- generous grows bigger and bigger, right? As the proverb says. You will be made rich in every way. So that, so yeah, God's saying you will be made rich in every way spiritual, physical, all kinds of ways. Now, this has been twisted into a prosperity gospel about seed planting and if you give one dollar to my ministry you'll get a hundred bucks if you give ten thousand dollars then i'll really pray over you and then you'll get that's this is not some kind of one for a hundred you know we're going to be exactly this percentage of interest and you're just that's just a different kind of greediness right but paul is saying so here's the problem sometimes we overreact to prosperity gospel and we say, it's all about the spiritual things. It's just about salvation and going to heaven. God cares about your money. He cares about your finances. He wants you to eat. And eat well. And he wants your brothers and sisters to eat well too. And he wants you to rejoice in that sharing together. Do You get the two ditches here? One is there's some kind of guaranteed return on your investment. Except it's only guaranteed by that prosperity preacher who's going to be gone. <laughs> and the other is, God doesn't care at all about your money or your finance or anything you do. It's just spiritual. Both of those are ditches, okay? God cares about everything. He wants you to, you to be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Eucharisteo to God. So he's saying, you can be generous on every occasion. And when you give this to us so we can bring it to the people in Jerusalem, all of that's going to go back to thanksgiving to God. Do you care if God gets thanksgiving on Thanksgiving? Yeah. So give to somebody so they can give thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people. So that's a great thing, that it's supplying the needs of God's people. When we give to widows and orphans in Tanzania, those widows and orphans get to eat. When we talk to them, you know, some some days we eat. They get more days that they eat when we partner with the churches there to do that. And the Jerusalem church was going to get to eat despite its persecution. In not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing. There's that word. Overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the good news of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing chorus, grace, that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable chorus, his indescribable gift. Has God given way more indescribably than you can possibly fathom? Yes. Do I get to get in on that? Participate with him? Yes. When we gave to a church roof in Tanzania that meant a bunch of people are praising God now under a roof and out of the sun and out of the rain, and they're thanking God for you. And that encouraged other people to give 62 more church roofs. Thousands of people are praising God and thanking God for His generosity to them. And they're being blessed. And other people are coming to Jesus because they can do it out of the sun and the rain. And we get blessed by that. And we get to give thanks to God through that. So, have you been taking note of which God, what what benefits does the giver get? What benefits does the receiver get? What benefits does God get? So, um, remember, this is this cycle. And you want to keep it in the cycle. You don't want to hold it all in the tank. There's reasons to put it in the tank so you can keep the hydro going all along. There's reasons to plan and store for the sake of giving at the right time. When I got out of seminary, so we went to, we both did our master's degree at the same time. We, we prayed and we asked God if we could do one year. you figured it cost us $20,000. We could save $10,000 before we went. How are we going to get that other $10,000? We didn't know. But as we were talking about that, praying about that, we got home, and I had a letter in the mail with an $800 scholarship. Wow. Praise God. Jan went to work the next day. She got a call from the University of Minnesota. They said, we'd like to give you a graduate assistantship. She said, but I didn't apply for a graduate assistantship. The paperwork's on my desk. Yeah, but we knew you were going to apply, and this is in honor of one of your teachers, so we'd like to give it to you. Wow. And then we came here, and, and Jean came up to me and said, you know, you have to do an internship? I said, not really. But he said, could we pay you to do a little bit of ministry here, like eight bucks an hour and 10 hours a week? I said, Yeah, that'd be great. I'd like to get paid to do ministry. And that was 89. 92, I started working full time. And you all have generously supplied me so that I have been able to work full time at ministry for 30 years. Thank you. It's been fantastic and hard sometimes, but really good. And I'm thankful for the blessing you gave to me and the way that I was able to bless others because of the way you were blessing me and the way that they blessed God and others because of your blessing. So what are some of the benefits? So back to the Thompson Dam. There's this whole system in the St. Louis River, like I mentioned. Five reservoirs that they keep things up there. And, and okay, so I got to back up. Why do we store money? So I, said we were, we were, I started telling you all these stories about The truth is we figured out how to do one year to get through school and then half of it, and then God supplied. So then we decided maybe we should go, maybe we should actually try to finish our degrees. So we ended up finishing both of our degrees without taking debt because we were always going to Tanzania. We didn't want to have any debt to go to Tanzania. How did we do two master's degrees at the same time without getting any debt? I could tell you a whole series of miracles, and I'd love to do that, but we don't have time. Um... But the point is that when I got out of school, I started thinking, oh, now I'm actually not just trying to go into debt. I'm actually going to have some extra money. Is it okay to save money? Because there's all these needs. I mean, this place had duct tape everywhere, and there, there's all kinds of needs. And I realized that when I save money, it's not about deciding not to give it or not to use it on something. It's just I'm going to save this for now so that during the winter I can release it into when, it's, when it needs the flow. I'm saving money until I get that opportunity to give more generously. But I'm still going to give. I'm still so that is I can give generously is still the point even of saving. So that I can give my time. So that I can give um, my money. So, so Thompson Dam has this whole series. St. Louis River has five reservoirs that they store the rainwater so that they release it at the right time. And then it comes through four series of, of dams. And this dam, Thompson Dam, as, as I mentioned, stops the flow so that it goes off three miles to a hydroelectric dam, plant, and then it is released there. And there's a couple of water tanks there that regulate the flow so that it lights the school, lights lights Duluth, right? So storing is not bad. I control the flow of my finances so that I can be generous. Yeah, you know, I told you my car is at 288,000 miles. That's fine. It just needs to get me from here to there. But it gets me to overflow in some other areas. That's great. I like it more than a new car. That's just me. So here's the thing. We we can control the flow so that we can be generous, so that we can also have all that we need. So when it's time for the kayak races, they release this like this. And it's fantastic to watch the kayak races just below this dam because they've regulated the flow. And so saving is not a bad thing unless it becomes about just my greed and my trust in myself and my savings and my money. Then it's hooked me. So, in fact, it's a good thing. So, what is the receiver benefit? They get to eat. The church in Jerusalem got to eat. You know what? The church in Jerusalem had been going through a long, hard time, and they could have said, you know what? The Antioch church already gave to them, and it wasn't enough. They they just keep needing those poor Jerusalem Christians. Should we keep? They kept giving. Antioch gave. They gave elsewhere. Remember, back in the day, Jerusalem had said, you know, Barnabas, why don't you go to that new church up in Antioch? We know you're our best giver. We know you're one of our favorite teachers. But would you just go help out that church in Antioch? It flowed back to Jerusalem, didn't it? And when Barnabas and Paul went on and Paul went on, it flowed back to Jerusalem when they needed something, right? The receiver knows they're loved by God, by you. They see obedience to good news of Jesus. They're motivated to prayer and thanksgiving because they see what God's doing. And they Develop a deeper relationship with God and God's family. There's unity that comes from these people who are very different because they're giving to each other. The church in Jerusalem says, well, maybe those Gentile Christians in Greece aren't so bad after all. We're not so sure about their theology, but they seem to be getting the gospel of Jesus, right? Unity comes with people we sometimes don't even meet. But the giver also benefits. When you give, it's not just the person who gets the benefits, it's you. First of all, you have already benefited from Jesus' grace, right? Can you say, "I'm, I'm short, I don't really have much, when Jesus has given you everything you have? And he's not asking for more than you have, just what you have. Excel! You get to excel in grace, just like Jesus and other Christians, like those poor Macedonians. It was so great, like Jan mentioned, to be with poor African Christians and see their generosity. Um, we get to be godly. We get to o- the honor of giving. We get joy, eager willingness, cheerful giving. We get investment for future needs because they're going to bless us back, or God's going to bless us back, right? You get to ha- have your needs met by God and His family. You get to be made rich, to be abounding in grace. You get to increase your harvest of righteousness and justice. You get to have an opportunity, more opportunities to be generous. Why? Because God says He's going to supply all your needs and more seed and more seed and more seed so you can be more generous. Isn't that great? You get more chances to be generous. And you get to be prayed for. You get to be loved by people who are blessed by you. You get to produce unity through sharing. And you get to glorify God. Isn't that what we want to do is glorify God? Um, So I got a a video of some of our great givers. A lot of you are great givers, but we had to pick a few. So let's hear the Underwood story here. Oh, sorry. I just messed you up.
1: A lot of our perception of um, prosperity or what we have depends so much on where we came from or what we're used to, what's around us. So I was a missionary kid in South Korea. And in Korea, we were the rich American family. And in the States, we were always the poor missionary family. Um, so, it so much depends on what you're used to. When people visit our house, sometimes they think, depending on what they're used to, wow, this is really big, or Yeah, you've made a nice place of what you have.
2: (laughs) God's generosity to me was, when I was in high school, uh, two college kids were very generous with their time, spending months and months and months doing Bible study with me, this skeptical high schooler who knew absolutely nothing about Jesus. And they were very patient and answered questions and explained things, and eventually, came to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, the son of God. So then when I I came to the Twin Cities, and so I figured, well, I'll just find a church. But God revived the fellowship. A bunch of new Christians came in as freshmen and had great fellowship and discipleship, both at college and a wonderful church. That was very generous of God.
1: (laughs) One of the early... um, lessons we both remember from InterVarsity Christian Fellowship training was a speaker, I don't remember which speaker, but they spoke about um, when you're in college, you get by on less money, and then as you get a job, you get more and more income, and you just sort of assume you'll spend more. And they taught us very early that your spending doesn't have to go up just because your income went up. And that sort of put us in a, a mindset pretty early about not not trying to spend all we can.
2: Yeah, just the idea of you in- increase your giving, not, not necessarily your standard of living.
1: The biggest um, eye-opener for us on um, using resources was when we visited Uganda and the generosity of Ugandan people in villages that we would think were very poor just blew us away. It changed our lives. The standard of giving was you don't just give something because you can afford it, but this is a guest, and we must honor them. And they, get, they would give more than they gave sacrificially for us. And we were the rich ones um, in our perspective. So that really um, changed our attitude and our standards for giving. And we have not matched that standard, but we're much better than we used to be.
2: Just, yeah, mind blowing. Maybe would eat. Chicken once a year. They not only fed us chicken, but gave me a chicken. It wasn't. It was generosity and it was faith, Um, and it was joyful. Talking about gratitude. Oh, it was generosity. But yes, those two are totally linked. Um, That it's our gratitude for what God's given us helps motivate us to generosity, and then our gratitude for how god has enabled us to be generous
1: so um, there's a different standard of of what you need and what you can give it's easier if you don't get the stuff in the first place and you don't have to figure out what to do with it when you don't need it anymore um one other thing i would like to throw in the mix is i believe that in christ he makes a fundamental orientation shift in us Um, most most of us growing up we want to get what we can and then as believers When we realize how much God has done for us, we want to give as much as we can. Not just money, but in terms of sharing. So um, for me, the first thing that comes to mind is actually music. Um, And it's not just what I do in front, but it's like um, how many people have I given music lessons to, just getting them in the door. They can do as much or as little with it as they want. But if I can show you three chords on a guitar, and then if you like that, then we'll go to the fourth chord. But that kind of investment in young people, when, when I see the, see it catch fire or the spark lights a little bit of an enthusiasm in them. Then I get really excited. Um, missions is a good topic because it's hard to say what counts as mission. Um, all my years as a bus driver, it's like, we're, any, to me, I just say unchurched, and it doesn't matter what continent. Um, anyone who doesn't know Jesus yet is part of a mission, and that means all of us are missionaries or should be. People are surprised when a bus driver shows love. Um, and to me, that's just normal. That's what we all do. And the bus driving was a regular balance between um, the, the secular world and the church world. And I believe they need to be together. So
2: just one, one thing God has, has taught us is, is to give sort of open-handed. So if God leads us, then it's a gift. Oh. And then it's open hands and it's between them and God.
0: Okay, we're going to have uh, the Underwoods come on, or J- James come on up to with your worship team. Um, one of the other things he mentioned was how much he likes playing with you guys, by the way, especially the Haitian band. Um, so we, we cut that half hour down to five minutes. Um, I know you wish I had cut my half hour down to five minutes, but sorry about that. Um, we'll, let, we'll finish up here. The um, So... What does God benefit Can we have this? God's benefits, he gets obedience from his people as we're obeying. He gets thanks and praise from us, from the people who are blessed. He gets glory, and he gets more opportunity to give. Because God loves to give, and when he sees somebody who likes to give, he says, wow, I could invest there, because they invest in the things that I care about. So if you become one of those channels that he gets to give through, it's surprising how he manages to keep giving and giving and giving and giving you more and more opportunities because he finds out you're a good investment. He can give in all the things he cares about through you. Um, So this is our cycle. When we give, it goes back to God and God sends it back to us. So how do I excel in the grace of giving? Let me just get real practical Check your why. Are you giving out of compulsion? I should. It's the right thing. I mean, obedience is okay, but really God loves a cheerful giver. See if you can tap into remembering gratitude and all that God has given you and the opportunity to be generous. Gratitude to God and others is a great reason. Use what you have. Not what you don't have. Don't wish, oh, if I had this, then I... No, use the relationships you have the resources you have. This church is a great resource because we have relationships to give to a lot of places. I'd love giving to this church. Um, make a plan. First Corinthians, we mentioned, he said, plan this. And, he, and they, I, A year later, he said, I'm coming back. He said, every week, decide what proportion you're going to give. Make a plan with other people, with the church, with, so that you're not just like, oh, I feel moved by that. Uh, let me see what I got. No, make a plan of how you're going to give how much you're going to give, what percentage you're going to give. And then challenge God to to, uh, open up the doors and and do some more. Um, And then just do it. A plan's no good unless you do it, right? So that's what Paul's telling them. He said, you made a great plan. Now follow through and complete it. So enjoy. Right? So this... uh, (laughs) I've been trying to communicate the joy of investing in the kingdom of God, that I see, that I see in the underwoods, I see in, I see in a lot of you. We just highlighted a few people, but um, let's let's keep enjoying our uh, giving and let's let's enjoy worshiping God in a different way right now. Thanks. So let's pray, Lord. We are so grateful. For the opportunity that you have given us to give but we are especially grateful for all that you have given your indescribable gift and gifts we want to be grateful this Thanksgiving season for all that you have given and we want to demonstrate it by being generous as well so that other people will give gratitude and, and grace and praise to you too thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship you Jesus'
2: name.
0: Lord, we want to praise you, we want to lift you up, we want to exalt you in everything we do, spiritual, physical, relational, every moment, every talent, every resource, we want to praise you and lift you up. Would you continue to help us to be grateful yes. and to express that gratitude and generosity and grace in every way that you enable us to. So I want to encourage you to have a grateful Thanksgiving. And maybe even when you're having your Thanksgiving you've got a little time off, do it a little inventory and say, how has God blessed me? And write up some things. And then maybe you want to do a second inventory and say, what can I do with how God's blessed me? Yeah. And not just your money, but other stuff, other talents, other time, other opportunities, your, your uh, house, your, and who are you going to have over for Thanksgiving? Whatever it is. Um, let's, uh, let's have a grateful and generous uh, Thanksgiving and uh, holiday season, Christmas season too. So, Lord, we praise you for all that you have given to us. And now, people of God, would you be blessed? Would you receive God's grace? The grace of our Father who poured out everything we have, the creation that we have, the Son. Blessed in the name of the Son, Jesus, who gave himself in his life so graciously, who though He was rich, made Himself poor so that we could be rich. And His Spirit who is with us daily, moment by moment, so that we can live godly, just, righteous, generous lives. Let Your river flow to us and through us, we pray. In this week. Amen.